Welcome to Pick 6 Movies, where every season we pick six different movies based around a central theme. We give you some insight behind how, when, where, and why each of these movies was made, and on top of that, at no charge to you, the listening consumer, you get a full review of the movie from me, Bo Ranstell, and my ever-present co-host, Chad Cooper. This is Season 4, The War on Christmas Movies. This is episode three, Jingle All the Way. We've seen psychotic Chevy Chases and mugging Jim Carrey's already, but can anything really prepare us for the one-two punch of Sinbad and Arnold Schwarzenegger? It's a genuinely head-scratching film coming to us from the great year 1996. So, enough setup. Let's turn things over to Chad for an introduction that is far superior to the film we're going to be discussing. And here we go, folks. Here's Chad and Jingle All the Way. In 1983, radio disc jockeys Bob Reitman and Gene Muller announced to listeners of Wisconsin radio station WKTI that B-29 bombers would be dropping toys from the sky at the Milwaukee County Stadium. Reitman and Muller encouraged listeners to show up with baseball gloves to catch the toys as they fell from the sky. Listeners were also instructed to bring their credit cards because as the toys fell from the air, those lucky enough to catch a Christmas surprise would hold up their credit card, whereupon an aerial photograph would be taken of their credit card, which would later then be charged for the total cost. On the day of the toy drop, the wind chill dipped the temperature down to 7 degrees below zero. In the frigid air of a pre-Christmas morning, believe it or not, a dozen people showed up for the chance to catch one of these toys as they fell from the sky. But they weren't just catching any toy. The toys that were to be dropped were dolls. And these dolls were the chubby-faced, wide-eyed, impossible-to-find-on-any-store shelf Cabbage Patch Kid doll. And the Cabbage Patch Kid doll craze of 1983 is where it all started. Supply meet demand. Media hype? Do your thing. Opportunist and counterfeiters? Right this way. Mass hysteria? By all means, take off your coat and stay a while. Cabbage Patch Kids were in such high demand that shoppers camped in stores overnight to get their hands on this elusive, all-desired doll. When the dolls arrived on store shelves, shoppers stormed displays and fought over other shoppers to be one of the lucky few to have a Cabbage Patch Kid wrapped under their tree for Christmas. The toy was so popular it appeared on the cover of Newsweek magazine in a featured article that said, quote, It was as if an army had been turned loose on the nation's shopping malls, ravaging the ficus trees, sloshing through the fountains, searching for the legendary stockrooms said to be filled with thousands of doe-faced, chinless, engagingly homely dolls. This was the first documented case of the country losing their collective shit over a toy. Now, once upon a time in the 1960s, Etch-A-Sketch factories reportedly worked through Christmas Eve to meet the demand of that toy. And in 1977, the popularity of Star Wars toys was so high that their existence was more a thing of rumor than reality because nobody but nobody could get their hands on one of those tiny dolls. I mean, action figures. By the time that the Cabbage Patch Kid craze happened, toys in the United States were more than just toys. They became status symbols. Having an Atari video game console, a Sony Walkman, or the latest Barbie Dreamhouse were all coveted by children and parents alike. 
And this was the 1980s. A matinee idol movie star was elected president. Television offered shows that coveted the rich and famous with the likes of Dallas and Dynasty and Falcon Crest. Robin Leach was warming up in the wings to bring us lifestyles of the rich and famous. In 1983, materialism had the wind at its back and combined with some good old-fashioned nostalgia for a simpler time and less tech-driven toys, Cabbage Patch Kids were lightning in a bottle. Cabbage Patch Kids were the first post-industrial toy for a country growing in its obsession of material goods as a means of self-identity. Cabbage Patch Kids grew in scarcity due in part to each doll being distinctly unique. This was because there wasn't a single mold for each doll, meaning that no two Cabbage Patch Kids were alike. They varied in skin and hair color, clothing, facial features, including a dimple location. And Cabbage Patch dolls reached out from inside their boxes waiting to be adopted. A massive publicity tour sent the dolls to major media outlets across the country, going so far as to land them a full five minutes on NBC's Today Show. Retailers failed to anticipate demand and early Christmas shoppers bought an average of three dolls each. By the first week of October, all two million dolls that had been manufactured were gone. And according to Newsweek, by Thanksgiving, what had been sellouts became the Great Cabbage Patch Panic. Store managers stocked the dolls in front of retail locations to prevent people from creating chaos for other shoppers. Customers lucky enough to purchase a Cabbage Patch doll were often faced with crowds pushing inside, hoping to have similar good fortune and a smile on their face as well. Customers ripped boxes from other shoppers' hands. Reportedly, a man even flew to London to buy a doll for his five-year-old daughter. People were reselling the dolls for $150, far above the $25 retail price. And knockoffs began to pour in from overseas, with the only way to tell the difference was the lack of a belly button. By New Year's of 1984, more than 3 million Cabbage Patch dolls were sold. And it was this Cabbage Patch doll phenomenon of holiday shopping mania, textbook economic forces, and good old-fashioned human hysteria that was the inspiration for the source of this episode, 1996's Jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way is a Christmas movie that at its core focuses on the worst of human behavior. The majority of the film takes place on Christmas Eve and centers around the rush to find that must-have toy that a parent's child wants. Arnold Schwarzenegger stars in this harried holiday extravaganza as Howard Langston, who is desperately in search of a Turbo Man doll for his son, played by Jake Lloyd. Lloyd would later go on to play young Anakin Skywalker in The Phantom Menace, the first of the original prequels to the original Star Wars trilogy. In Jingle All the Way, Turbo Man is the star of a TV show that draws heavily on the popular Power Rangers phenomenon of the 1990s. Turbo Man is wildly popular with children, inspiring not only the coveted toy line, but breakfast cereal, pajamas, catchphrases, and as we see in the movie Jingle All the Way, Turbo Man even makes his way to the big screen with his own feature film. Before being cast as the lead in Jingle All the Way, Arnold Schwarzenegger was scheduled to star in a remake of The Planet of the Apes, but things went sideways on that movie, and, and so director Chris Columbus, riding high on the success of Home Alone, the wholly original Home Alone 2 and Mrs. Doubtfire, convinced Arnold to come over and lead up this comic exploration of holiday bad behavior and a father's quest to buy, uh, I mean, win his son's love. Schwarzenegger had showed off his comic chops in three previous comedies, all directed by Ivan Reitman, including Twins, Kindergarten Cop, and Junior, the latter of which is a movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a man that impregnates himself and gives birth to a baby. That's right, he gives birth to a baby. Don't worry, we'll come back to that little gem in the near future. 
Comedian Sinbad was cast as a competing postal worker in search of the same Turbo Man doll for his own son. Sinbad was suggested for the part, but he was a bit reluctant as playing the bad guy and felt that this could damage his family-friendly image. Sinbad also reportedly missed the audition as he was on a USO tour at the time, but Chris Columbus allowed him to audition for the role after he returned back to the United States and he got the part where he improvised a lot of the dialogue in the movie. SNL sketch comedy chameleon Phil Hartman plays the nosy super dad slash horned up neighbor. Hartman had a string of dislikable characters on his acting resume and said of this role, Ted's another weasel to add to my list of weasels. Rita Wilson who in real life is married to American treasure Tom Hanks, plays Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife in the film. Comedy veterans Harvey Korman, Lorraine Newman, Richard Mull, Martin Mull, no relation, different spelling, Curtis Armstrong, a.k.a. Booger from Revenge of the Nerds, are all in this movie. And if you look closely, you'll see future SNL alumni Chris Parnell making his big screen debut. Oh, and Jim Belushi shows up for a short time to make things worse. Brian Levant was brought on to direct the film. Levant was coming off of the St. Bernard, Charles Grodin family dog comedy, Beethoven, and he had also helmed the big screen adaptation of The Flintstones. The majority of the movie was shot in Minneapolis, St. Paul, including many scenes being shot in the mecca of American holiday shopping, the Mall of America. However, much of the film's finale, featuring a holiday parade, I mean Christmas parade, was shot on the Universal Studios lot in Los Angeles. Director Levant said of the film, The story that was important to me was between father and son. It's a story about love and a father's journey to deliver it in the form of a Turbo Man doll. He went on to say of the film, At its root, the movie's about something really sweet. It's about love and building a better family. Oh, that's nice. Better still, audiences and critics agreed that this was one of the most enjoyable holiday classic films of the last 100 years, with it currently scoring a 16% freshness rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, wait a minute here. Common Sense Media, a leading independent nonprofit organization dedicated to helping parents and children thrive in a world of media and technology, well, they said of the film, if you don't have to watch Jingle All the Way, don't. It's everything that's wrong with the holiday season, it's competitive, it's stressful, it's desperate, and it's about consumerism. In short, there's no one in this movie for kids to look up to. And what that means is that despite being about getting toys, this movie is for adults who've been in this position and desperately want to be their son's heroes. But it's not fun to watch for anyone. Now, what do they know? Holly Jolly film critic Roger Ebert said of the film, The climax includes not one, but two of the inevitable kiddie movie cliches, a kick to the groin administered by the little hero, and the big hero saying, yes. Here we go. Now we're back on track. Ebert goes on to say, I like this movie a lot, which is genial and has a lot of energy, but I was sort of depressed by its relentless materialistic view of Christmas and by the choice to go with action and mild violence over dialogue and plot. Well, thanks for nothing, Mr. Ebert. Jingle All the Way opened on November 22, 1996, and it came in fourth at the box office, just below the Mel Gibson kidnapping adventure Ransom, the Michael Jordan Bugs Bunny mashup Space Jam, and the number one film that week was Star Trek First Contact. Two years after its release, 20th Century Fox was sued by some guy claiming that they had stolen his idea for the movie, including the plot, the dialogue, and the character names. And 20th Century Fox was found guilty of stealing the idea and was ordered to pay $19 million in damages. On appeal, the damages figure was lowered to $1.5 million, 
before the verdict itself was quashed in 2004, and the judge decided the idea was not stolen at all. Wah, wah. The movie did inspire a direct-to-DVD sequel, aptly titled Jingle All the Way 2, starring Larry the Cable Guy, and produced by WWE Studios, the film division of World Wrestling Entertainment. But if they made a sequel, then the original has to be good, right? All those negative reviews are just the opinion of cinematic elites. Are not the views of the blockbuster video DVD renting proletariat as valuable as those ivory tower critical sayers of nay? Well, there is only one way to find out. Ladies and gentlemen, Jingles and Bells, 1986's holiday classic, Jingle All the Way. And welcome to Pick 6 Movies. I am Chad Cooper and always joined by my lovely, talented, and beautiful elfin assistant, Mr. Bo Ransdell. Hey, thank you. Uh, made me sound like Peggy Lee. Uh, thanks. Good morning, Vietnam. Um, we're talking about Jingle All the Way starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. An absolutely awful, awful movie. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah, this is a real stinker. I don't hate it the way I hate The Grinch. Uh, spoilers. The Grinch, I, I I have a base level loathing for that film. I just think it's disgusting. I think you hate The Grinch because you have a soft spot for the television special deep in your awful, tiny, small, cold heart. I think this movie has no precedent to it other than good movies because this is awful. And in, in that regard, you don't yeah. hate it as much because it's not besmirching the good name of a pre-existing quality product. Maybe so. Arnold Schwarzenegger is not bad in comedies. I want to say that up front. He's excellent in Twins. Yes. But that's because, in whether it's Twins or Kindergarten Cop, he's either playing against type or he's embracing the type but put in a comedic scenario like Kindergarten Cop. This movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger is cast in the same role that, say, like a Mark Ruffalo would play. And that's just not his wheelhouse. There is something so unsettling about seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger play this guy next door sort of character because just no one is that giant like if you there's one mention in the whole goddamn movie of like you're a mutant look at the muscles on your body what is happening to you do you need to go to a doctor or something you look like you got stung by a bunch of bees <laughs> Yeah, something. <laughs> but these lines are coming out of his mouth like, yeah, I know how that is. And it's like, what? No, you know how nothing is. You're some freak that spends all your life in a gym. Our movie opens up and we are in the middle of an episode of the children's live action TV show Turbo Man. And Turbo Man is our crimson hero and he's doing battle with his arch nemesis, Dementor, who is played by Richard Mull, a.k.a. Bull from Night Court. He abducts a kid that we later find out is the son of President Harvey Corman and First Lady Lorraine Newman. Look, I would love to have a President Harvey Corman only for the fact that every state of the union would begin 
Hello, dum dum. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that would be amazing. I think that Lorraine Newman, when I saw her in this movie, and because I hadn't seen this prior to us doing it for the show, when I saw this movie and saw Harvey Corman and Lorraine Newman, and as I like to think of them, Big Ben from the movie House, but you know, pick your poison with Richard Mull. I was like, is this a real movie? Like, I know these are kind of not A list actors at this point, but also they're people you know, and these are just bit parts in the opening. I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe this is, like, at the very least, a fun movie to spot some cameos in. I think that this movie is actually bookended with two really good scenes. I think that the opening does a good job of setting up the foundation for this kid's television show. We see the hero and the villains. We get their catchphrases. We see, uh, you know, Dementor has this giant fist that he can shoot out like a, a cannonball that comes back to him. You know, Turbo Man has his boomerang, and we see his sidekick booster— and to jump ahead to the ending of it, the finale of the film, I think, pays that off really well. The problem is that these are essentially two delicious pieces of homemade bread. And then the middle of this bread is shit and diarrhea. Yeah, I would also say that those delicious morsels are also like speared, like one of them uh, sandwich olive spears, one little less accoutrement of the sandwich uh, of this particular shit sandwich with like an octopus egg that's been soaked in paprika because because the very ass end of this movie, like you're right, there's part of the denouement of the film that's okay. But where it leaves the audience, the very last couple of minutes of the movie, hoof. Wolf Uberman, those are fucking awful. I did like that his sidekick Booster is wearing this gold lame banana hammock thong that's hiding what is clearly <laughs> a giant pink cat penis. I mean, it's huge. I gotta be honest, I wasn't staring hard. Can you see an outline? Is it like a, a spinal tap sort of broccoli situation? He looks like gold member. This is big pink dick in his pants. I mean, it's huge. There are multicolored minions that come running out that work for Dementor, and we see that Turbo Man can fly with a jet pack and that he is capable of catching a child thrown in the air by his nemesis dementor from a high place remember all of this it will be paid off later and all of this is done in a very fun adventurous way we then transition to our actual movie I'm sorry. Where the film proceeds to just <laughs> shit the bed, roll over, and go back to sleep in a puddle of its own mess. Yeah, well, so Jake Lloyd of Star Wars fame, or infamy, I suppose, when you're talking about Jake Lloyd, is watching the Sentai show, and we see his mom, uh, who, as you, you mentioned, is Rita Wilson. She's married to Tom Hanks. How awesome would that be, to be married to Tom Hanks? I wish I was married to Tom Hanks. I would be so generous with him. It's like, what would you do if you won the lottery? Like, what would you do if you were married to Tom Hanks? And I'm a happily married heterosexual man, but it's like, would you be interested in marrying Tom Hanks? Absolutely, I would. No, gender does not enter into this. <laughs> no! It's Tom Hanks. So, Rita Wilson... Tom Hanks's main squeeze, much to the you know detriment of us all, is like your dad's working again, but he's definitely coming to this karate thing you've got going on later. Jake Lloyd whines all of his dialogue in this movie. His performance felt like he is constantly trying to sell me a better brand of peanut butter, like a but mom <laughs> Smackers peanut butter is the smoothest. And it's got 100% of three essential daily vitamins and nutrients that I need to grow up big. How was this his audition for those Star Wars movies? This is what got him the role, man. <laughs> right, this is his reel that 
George Lucas sees and says, yeah, that's that's pretty good. I like when Rita Wilson is talking to Jake Lloyd and she says that, yeah, your dad's probably going to make it to your karate class. You throw the word probably in there and you're immediately <laughs> casting some personal self-doubt. Because as we shall soon see, her husband is a selfish, lying, horrible husband and father. The first action we see Arnold Schwarzenegger make in this film, he's on the phone with a client in the midst of a, a Christmas party in the office. Like he's a real Ebenezer Scrooge, if you will. He's buttering up some client on the phone and saying like, oh yeah, we'll fix that right away. He says, you're my number one customer. We see him on another call making some other correction and he says the same thing. It's like, oh, he is a superficial jerk who treats all of his clients like the same person. He sells mattresses that's his job that's what he's selling to people and i'm not knocking mattress salesmen and saleswomen of the world but he's just like oh y'all you're my number one customer you're my number one customer and he's also using one of those hand grips to make your forearms bigger like why do you want to have giant popeye forearms do you think the director was like well this will explain why he's such a muscle-bound weirdo (laughs) he just spends all day doing these hand crunches Arnold's wife calls and says, you're going to be late for the karate class. And then Arnold promises that he'll be there on time. And he ends the call with, you're my number one customer. Because lying is like breathing for this character. He cannot stop himself from being a selfish, self-serving asshole. Why are so many of the movies that we review... Focused around protagonists that are essentially pieces of shit. Because we generally do movies that aren't very good. Oh, yeah. And one of the fatal flaws of a lot of movies <laughs> is that they make their main character unfucking watchable. <laughs> Case in point, Arnold in this scene, uh, right off the bat, you're like, he does not belong in this movie. This needs to be an average Joe kind of character, you know, that's lying to his wife and he's a little schmarmy. Like, like Michael Keaton, he could have played this role and sold it 100%. You are absolutely right because Michael Keaton is a great comedic actor who also has emotional chops and can pull off both things. Tell me there's a dry eye in the house for clean and sober? I don't think so. I just flashed through the entire film Jingle All the Way with Michael Keaton in it, and it is so much better. Well, because Michael Keaton's kind of a lovable asshole in the Bill Murray mold, whereas Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he's playing an asshole, it's just kind of scary because now you've got this giant hulking dude <laughs> who's also a tremendous jerk and might get set off at any second. When Rita Wilson hears him say, you're my number one customer, she gives this look into the phone receiver as if to say, I am hanging up and I'm calling a divorce attorney. During this whole scene, we've neglected to say that they are having an office Christmas party. And the reason we know that is because people are running around the office and they're drinking and they're playing the song Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. When all of these things come together, there's a Christmas party going on in the background. Yeah, and especially if some guy in suspenders is chasing a girl dressed up like a naughty elf towards the copier, you got yourself an office Christmas party. Arnold jumps in his car and he immediately hits traffic. Uh oh. We cut to the elementary school gymnasium and a parade of movie producers' kids come filing in, wearing their karate gear to the cheers of onlooking parents. And it's here that we meet Phil Hartman. His character is Ted. He's the next door neighbor to Arnold and Rita Wilson. Phil Hartman has a kid who's friends with Jake Lloyd, and Phil Hartman's kid is this fat kid that turns out to be of no real consequence in the movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, he is there. He is there so Phil Hartman can be a father. That is <laughs> That's it. entirely his raison d'être in this script. Phil Hartman is filming the karate ceremony, and then multiple moms sitting around him are giving him fuck eyes. One lady says she baked him some cookies to thank him for fixing her screen door. Oh. She should have just said, thanks for coming over and cleaning out my pipes. Some other woman asks him to come over and take a look at her porch light. And Phil Hartman says, sure, I've got just the tool for that job. This is dialogue from a porno. I like his game, Chad. I like his game a lot. This is a Christmas movie for young and old to enjoy. It is targeted at children. And we have Phil Hartman talking about, yeah, I've got the right tool to come over and fix your porch light. (laughs) Hey man, I I'm a single guy. I just moved to the suburbs. I'm I'm picking up what Phil Hartman is laying down in this movie. I'll clean a gutter for some anonymous neighbor sex. If your next door neighbor comes over and she is a divorcee and she says, "Hey Bo, you want to come over and clean my gutters?" The answer is no, thank you. Or I'll be around at about 20 past 11. Your neighbor for me is way less sexy sounding than the neighbors in this movie. (laughs) You don't know that for sure. I'm just painting a picture. (laughs) I know what you're doing. So Arnold is still trying to make his way to this stupid karate class. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to you. It matters to Jake Lloyd. He wants his daddy there to see him crack some balsa wood with his hand to get his purple belt next to his fat friend who doesn't matter. But mom, I want new and improved dad. (laughs) Arnold finally gets out of traffic and starts really making some time. And he gets pulled over. He gets pulled over because he just drives on the median. He's just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm fucking the star. I'm going to drive in the median. <laughs> and he just trusts. And you know that everyone who he passes is like, fuck this asshole. It is officially December 23rd. And this dude's driving in the median, hauling ass through traffic. You know that everyone who saw him is like, fuck this piece of shit. And then a cop is there throws on his lights and pulls him over. And this had to be the greatest holiday magic moment for these motorists to be like, yes, that asshole in the SUV just got pulled over by a cop. On the other hand, they could be like, fuck, this is going to slow traffic down even more. Now we got flashing blues on the, on the median. When Arnold gets pulled over, he's pulled over by Officer Robert Conrad. And he says, look, so I'm in the hurry. I'm really late for a karate class. Probably one of the best scenes of the whole movie. Robert Conrad looks at him. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. How insensitive of me to pull you over. <laughs> it's a real fuck you moment. I like Robert Conrad a lot in this movie. He He's a very no-nonsense cop. And what I really like about him in this movie is he seems to understand what his job is, which is like, I'm the straight man. I need to, even if I'm saying funny things, I'm saying it dead serious. I'm never cracking a smile. He forces Arnold to take a DUI test, which if someone had driven past in the media, and a cop pulled him over and as I slowly inched up and I got up there and I saw that asshole in his SUV having to touch his nose do heel to toe and he's reciting the alphabet backwards oh my that's like my birthday Christmas morning and winning the lottery all in one that would just be fantastic 
Arnold leaves the cop and he ends up pulling up to the school and the parking lot is empty. So he should immediately know that there is no one at this school and he has missed the event. But Arnold in this movie is a dumbass and he runs into the school where he sees the janitors are all cleaning up. So he's like, oh man, I really messed up this time. Excuse me. Oh man, I really messed up yet again. Yeah, I really stepped in it this time. (laughs) We're back at Arnold's house and we see that neighbor Phil Hartman has a house fully decked out with holiday lights and Arnold's house has none. But wait, as Arnold enters his own home, Phil Hartman is on the roof and ta-da, Phil Hartman has creepily put lights all over Arnold's house. This is part of his game I don't like. Crawling up on a stranger's house and hanging Christmas lights is never a thing that I'm going to do. What are we to make of Phil Hartman's character? He's like Ned Flanders, but without any religious conviction. I mean, he's a real creep, but he means well. No, he doesn't mean well, Chad. He is trying to fuck Arnold's wife. That is the end of the game. You say those things like they're mutually exclusive. You could still want to decorate the neighborhood with holiday cheer and still want to fuck your neighbor's wife, right? No, this is all a front. There are even odds he's got another lady chained in the basement even as he's hanging the lights on the on this house there's a scene later on and when we get there i'll say this is that scene i was talking about earlier they fucked up when they were doing the editing of this and it's a scene uh, later when arnold and his wife are talking and then there's a wide shot of the house and phil hartman's character is on the roof but he's not moving it's like a, a really bad edit which if you really take it for what they're presenting that arnold and his wife are in the bedroom dressing to go to sleep and phil hartman's like still hanging out peeking in the window which makes him a real weirdo looky loo kind of guy the really frustrating thing about this scene is when he first pulls into the neighborhood and his house is the only one that's not really decorated i was like oh that's kind of a nice visual uh storytelling bit where you're saying like oh whether he was working too much or just didn't care it kind of doesn't matter he didn't even bother to decorate and then they cut to phil hartman you know on the roof like hey there arnold i'm just hanging some lights it's like, ah, oh, shit. If they had just not <laughs> stepped on their own bit, it would have been kind of a nice moment. It's the story of this whole movie, which is it's making the wrong decision all the time. Phil Hartman is the only one in this film that truly knows what movie he's in and what character he's playing. You and I are both, you know, big longtime SNL fans. I, I think I, I can speak for you and say we're both big Phil Hartman fans. And in this, there are moments that he just delivers so over the top that you can't help but laugh at his performance because he's just being so ridiculous. There's one point in particular we'll get to where he makes a sudden turn and starts yelling at children. <laughs> that's the like one of the legitimate laughs of this movie. I'm like, man, that's kind of funny. Arnold goes inside and he and Rita Wilson immediately pick up the fight that I'm assuming was happening when he left for work that morning. He's bitching about traffic and getting a ticket. She tells him in so many words, you are a terrible father and your son Jake Lloyd hates you. And then Arnold walks three paces over where he sees his son watching a TV commercial for the Turbo Man doll. This kid has heard every single word related to their passive aggressive conversation. He's right beside them when they're yelling and talking about how much this kid hates him. This kid has so many like therapy off ramps in this movie where it's like oh that's gonna come up oh that's definitely gonna come up Arnold apologizes to Jake Lloyd for missing the karate class with all of the conviction of a mildly intoxicated stepdad who has never had children of his own. It's a real, hey there, champ. Uh, sorry about <laughs> missing that, that karate class tonight. 
champ, buddy? And the kid's just like, man, fuck off. <laughs> this kid, he's having none of it. Which I really like that he's just like, you know what, dad? Eat a bag of dicks. And then marches upstairs. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but that's what's in his eyes. Because uh, he's a good actor, is Jake Lloyd. And he marches upstairs and just slams his bedroom door. And Arnold's like, what? And follows up after him. He starts cracking jokes with his kid. Right. And the kid is having none of his bullshit. He calls out his dad on how he's like, you know, you always say you're going to be there, but you never come to my karate events. The kid's right. He's just a piece of shit. And But we do get, yeah. for a brief moment, a glimmer of hope that Arnold in this movie may redeem himself because he apologizes to his son, but then immediately says, how can I make this up to you? What can I buy you for Christmas? Because as Weird Al opined, if money can't buy happiness, I guess I'll have to rent it. I also like that he precedes this with a real racist karate kick. I always appreciate that in a film. Austrian bodybuilder goes, hey you're like, oh. 1996 you were cruel i'm surprised he didn't put his index fingers on the corners of his eyes and jut out his two front teeth it's kind of that close like it happens a couple of times and both times you're like oh man don't you're already a shitty person let's not add racism on top of this so he tells like the kid is like you know here's what i want i want this turbo man action figure that has a pull string and it has five different phrases everyone knows about turbo man where the fuck have you been dad and i've been working putting a roof over your head jake lloyd says that phil hartman's fat kid is gonna get one and then he says whoever doesn't get one is gonna be a real loser because you know it's material possessions that are the measure of a child's worth how do i know this because arnold then says of losers not getting a turbo man that's definitely not going to be you you're going to get a turbo man because you're not the loser jake lloyd stands up and says i love you dad and then they hug because money is there anything you can't fix yeah. Arnold and Jake Lloyd spin around in the room and they're suddenly everything's okay. It's great, Dad, that you left me with these emotional scars and then put a little Vaseline and some $100 bills on top of them to, to make them all feel better. Look, here's the thing. To me, the next big crime that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger commits both against the marriage and against decency happens when he's greeted by a like be nightgowned Rita Wilson who's like hey uh, that Turbo Man thing you know what were you guys talking about and he's like yeah we were talking about Turbo Man he's like yeah she says uh, I'm glad that uh, you got it you did get it right and he's like I have no recollection of this conversation we get a comedic eyeball boing where there's this oh shit moment by the way this is the scene where you see phil hartman hanging out on the roof peeking in on him let me say this as a father of a child that completely engrossed in the idea of christmas and santa and the magic of the holiday season as a parent it is a wonderful wonderful time that you cherish every single year because you know eventually this will disappear into the ether as the progression of time moves you into a new phase of life as a parent and as a child but watching this movie from the point of view of a kid this movie doesn't need to take place because as noted earlier jake lloyd wrote a letter to santa claus asking him for a turbo man doll so this thing is quite literally in the bag why would his dad need to scramble to go buy a doll when santa is just gonna have his elves make one right Right. There's no need for the movie. Santa's bringing the toy, roll credits, in the bullshit. Arnold Schwarzenegger is like, sometimes Santa's need help. What, do, what is it you want, little kid? 
I mean, dear son. Am I right? Isn't that when, when Jake Lloyd is like, you know, I've already made this deal? I've walked this path as a parent. And if you pulled that, sometimes Santa needs help and you've got to help him. It's like, what are you talking about? Santa has elves and they build this shit for free. Why would you go buy this? That you? What are you, stupid? I wrote a letter. I put it in the mailbox. Shit's done and done. Chill, man, said my son. Right. <laughs> But no, I need you to tell me what it is you asked Santa for. No. If you ask me again, I will smack you in your old face, Dad. I got this covered. Just chill. You are going to go to an early grave. I mean, yeah, I'm going to outlive you for a long time, Dad. <laughs> Let me handle this one, Pops. Yeah. Arnold lies to his wife and says that he bought the doll. I mean, he lies to his wife all the time, but in this particular lie, it's more relevant to the conversation. Normally, he's just spouting off fucking bullshit. The two of them go to bed and she says that, you know, these Turbo Man dolls are impossible to find on store shelves and click go out the lights and we get an encore of Arnold's wide eyed. Oh shit face. The next morning, Jake Lloyd is eating Turbo Man cereal, wearing Turbo Man pajamas, watching Turbo Man on the TV. And Rita Wilson is there with her morning coffee and I'm assuming vodka. Arnold comes down and he's fully dressed. (laughs) And again, he lies to his wife because it's 8 a.m. He tells her that he's off to the office. And as we have this conversation, I want to do some time checks on this movie. So today, at this point in the film, it is Christmas Eve and it is 8 a.m. This is important because the bulk of this movie takes place from here throughout the rest of the day on Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas, when everything totally shuts down by 6 p.m. except for liquor stores that are open, if you live in the right neighborhood, till 9, and you got some churches (laughs) that are open until about 12.10. Then they close their doors and we're done for the day, right? Yeah. There's that wiggle room between liquor stores and churches closing where you can tie one on and really get a good confession in. Let's continue with our movie. The timeline of this is going to be very important. His wife is like, you can't go to the office. It's Christmas Eve exposition. Jake Lloyd is like, I can do even better than that. New and improved exposition. Because I'm going to remind you about the parade. That's coming up and Turbo Man is going to appear. Arnold says, I've got to go to the office to pick up the D-O-L-L. Look, we saw his kid the night before when he was pissed off about you missing his karate tournament class. And he was reading a comic book. You can't spell in front of a child that can read. (laughs) I didn't even notice that. Oh, my God. Yes, you're right. That seems like an oversight on his part. I wonder how long. I wonder if Jake Lloyd in this is just like, you know, I know everything that you've said the past 24 hours. (laughs) Also, I hear your not so inner monologue when you're in the bathroom alone and questioning your own mortality. (laughs) Jake Lloyd tells him, Dad, you got to go to the holiday wintertainment parade. We go every year. Well... Mom and I go, you never go because you're a terrible father. Yeah, you're a piece of shit. (laughs) Arnold says, I'll be there, I promise. Which nobody believes this, not even Arnold himself. It's just... just a barrage of lies it's just words coming out of his mouth man he has no intention of keeping this promise he won't remember he made this promise later Arnold leaves the house and phil hartman is outside running around with a full-size reindeer which is wearing a santa hat and the reindeer is suspicious of arnold because reindeer have a keen sense of poor moral character 
And the reindeer tries to bite Arnold at this point. Phil Hartman, in this particular scene, he's having a lot of fun with the role. And the problem with this character is this through line of him having sex with neighborhood moms. If you remove that element, he is genuinely a well-meaning, over-the-top Christmas goofball. When you throw in all of the creepy neighborhood mom sex stuff, that's when things get really weird and you start to question his motives. You know, is he doing all of this for his son and because he loves Christmas? Or is he doing this because he is incapable of true human connection and only through random acts of sexual intercourse can he find anything resembling a connection with another human being? Yeah, it's B. Uh, if you're scratching your head on that one. <laughs> Arnold tells Phil Hartman he's off to go get this Termo man for his kid. And then Phil Hartman says, well, I got one for my fat son nestled under the, the Christmas tree in the house. And, and then as Arnold drives off, Phil Hartman yanks the reindeer really hard by his harness. And this is the first time we get the drop of the facade that he might be a horrible, evil person, too, in this neighborhood. Well, as you pointed out, the reindeer is, uh, like all of that species, is an incredibly good judge of character, <laughs> which you can read more about in my new book. Twas the night before movies, a reindeer's guide to heroes and villains, Chad. <laughs> we cut to a lot of people standing outside of a store in this downtown shopping area that doesn't exist anymore. Arnold barges his way to the front to the glass doors of a toy store because he's a self-entitled prick. And when he gets up to the front, there's a store manager on the other side refusing to open it until 9 a.m. He's like, you know, doing the old tap of the watch and pointing at the opening time. Arnold gets pushed back into the crowd and it's here that we meet Sinbad. I like Sinbad as a comedian. I enjoy his stand-up. I find him very funny. I've talked to some people who love him. I've talked to other people who do not care for him. I know that you and I frequently uh, quote the line, ah, uh, beep, beep. Uh, oh, two, two. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's all from Sinbad. Lord, let me get out and see what I did to the deuce and a quarter. <laughs> love that concert. Yeah, I'm sorry, Dan. You, I interrupted you talking about the concert that we both enjoy, uh, Afros and Bell Bottoms, that Sinbad did, it's it, incredibly funny. He is a very funny comedian. In this, I think that he brings his charm. It's just that the material is not there to sort of click together with the essence of Sinbad in this particular film. And also, the gag of that character is that he's a wound up postal worker at a time where that was still relatively fresh in terms of, you know, mass killings in the country. And as I watch, I was like, I guess the replacement in, in modern parlance would be if it was just like a middle school student with a, an assault <laughs> rifle that was his rival. That was sort of the cultural equivalent, I felt. <laughs> Wait, that's not funny. Right. <laughs> and I think that's what's hamstringing Sinbad, as well as an unfortunate scene later where he d he is a postal worker with a fucking bomb. That does not age well. <laughs> no. As you note, Sinbad is a mailman in this movie, and he is the foil for Arnold. And at first, Sinbad shows like some sense of kindness by letting Arnold cut in front of him in this crowd of people at around, you know what, 8.58 a.m., 
And Sinbad then goes into some watered-down stand-up comedy. As I noted in the opening, he improved a lot of his lines. And here, he lets it slip that he is uh, looking for a Turbo Man doll for his son, too. But during this improvisation of comedy, Sinbad takes a hard right-hand turn, and he starts spouting off conspiracy theories about toy cartels, and how he went to junior college for a semester, how he's divorced, and his ex-wife was having sex with all his co-workers. He gets so worked up that he grabs a random woman from the crowd and literally begins to strangle her. I don't know what to say here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's high strung. It's Christmas Eve. This woman went home to her family and it was like, you know, Diane, did you get the Lego set for Sherry? A mailman choked me. What do you mean? I mean an angry black Postman grabbed me by the throat and choked me till I was almost dead. I'm going to call the police. I'm going to call the preacher. I'm going to call my daddy and he will know what to do. You call him right now. (laughs) You tell him I think that boy got my pearls. (laughs) The toy store opens up and the people just flood in. And their behavior is what you would expect to see the moment mob rule takes over. And everyone officially agrees that now looting is acceptable. Store shelves are being ripped down. Displays are being destroyed. Arnold and Sinbad make it to the Turbo Man aisle. And of course, all the Turbo Man dolls are gone. A 29-year-old Chris Parnell is the store worker who comes up and he just starts laughing at Arnold when Arnold asks if they have any Turbo Man dolls. And then some other co-worker joins in on the laughter. Then everyone in the store starts laughing at Arnold. So what does Arnold do next? He grabs Chris Parnell and this random store worker and threatens to beat the shit out of him. And then Chris Parnell says, some lady just left with a Turbo Man doll that she had on layaway. Sinbad knocks Arnold down and runs off to go get this woman, which look out lady. And then there's some kid playing with a remote controlled car in the store, which time check. It's what, 9.02 in the morning on Christmas Eve. Who is this kid playing with a remote control car sitting in a store? Where are his parents? That doesn't make sense. This is disturbing and sad all at the same time. Yeah, he's a latchkey kid for sure. Uh, His parents were just like, go to the toy store. I honestly think he was left in the toy store the night before and has been driving cars all night. And when the store opened up, he was just like, hey, people, will you take me home? (laughs) Will you be my new dad and my new mom? What if it's not the first morning? What if it's like the 20th? He's just been living in the mall. Then it's Day of the Dead, and now I can get behind this movie. Arnold grabs the remote control for this car, and he drives it off so it goes under Sinbad's foot. And then Sinbad slips and falls, spilling mail all over the toy store floor. Arnold runs over and mocks Sinbad and says, Aw, poor baby. And then he laughs and runs off. Arnold is an ass in this movie. Right. And again, if Michael Keaton does it, there is still something charismatic about that. When Arnold Schwarzenegger looks at you and says, oh, poor baby. His voice doesn't have the delicacy to handle like irony and sarcasm appropriately. So it just sounds cruel. It's that Teutonic accent of his poor baby I bet your spine hurts do this exact same scene and it's Michael Keaton but instead of him saying ah poor baby if Michael Keaton walked over and said did you fall down and he smiles and then runs off that scene works yeah I think he dropped something and then gone yeah that's it Damn it, I wish he'd been in this movie. I know, I know. We have truly, in 
Pick 6 fan fiction history, this is a milestone where change nothing else about the script but one actor and the movie goes up like five points. (laughs) that's how woefully miscast he is in this film i argue but yeah so arnold decides he's gonna run after this old lady and i don't know either threaten her or pay her into giving up this doll like i don't know what his end game is here other than chase must catch her it doesn't work she just drives off it goes nowhere right because she sees him and she's like oh my god (laughs) this austrian crazy man is trying to rip the door off this car let's get out of here he was with that black postman that strangled my friend betty earlier get me the hell out of here betty it's helen you know you were choked earlier i just had an austrian man chase me to the car darling let me call my daddy. He will know what to do. You call him. <laughs> Tell him I think the Austrian man got my pearls. <laughs> we then get this Simpsons-esque montage of neon toy store signs wiping across <laughs> the screen. And they're fading in and out. And, and Arnold is going to all of these stores and he's looking for a Turbo Man. He opens a telephone book. And I pause this movie to count on my television 27 toy stores that are all showing between the letters K and T. There are not this many toy stores (laughs) in this city. And in fact, one of the toy stores was called Toys, Bibles, and More. Can you imagine how awful that place is? (laughs) I bet that was the one real one. (laughs) You could call them now. We lure them in with the toys, but when they get here, look, children, Bibles. I'm more concerned about what the more part of it is. (laughs) Yeah. Arnold passes a movie theater during his search for a Turbo Man doll, and he goes past a marquee that says, Turbo Man the movie! Before we get to the movie, this fucking Sunset Boulevard scene would have been understandable in a movie where Arnold is superimposed over, like, the swirling neon if he were staggering in a raincoat with a half-empty bottle of gin in one hand. Like, that's the kind of shot that pops up in this movie, Mm -hmm. and it was one of the first times where it was like who is this movie for what noir fans are like "Mm, that's very smart that's very (laughs) i don't think anyone who watched this movie had the three words that's very smart connected in that order fire within their head let alone grace their lips (laughs) right right oh that's just like tarantula's kiss very (laughs) it's very good it's very, very good. We then see Arnold go past the movie theater showing the marquee Turbo Man, the movie. And this montage ends with Arnold violently attacking a Turbo Man standee and just ripping it apart inside of a toy store to the shock of onlooking shoppers, which that seems like a reasonable response. During this montage, we see a clock spinning forward to now show that it's two o'clock, but I'm going to ignore that. And I'm going to put a more reasonable time check on this movie. So let's say that he's been looking for this Turbo Man doll for three hours so it's now what noon totally fine with that because look it's christmas eve he has been in and out of a bunch of different toy stores for the past three hours trying to find this doll so we come back to the house and jake lloyd is there with his fat next door neighbor friend and the two of them are arguing over who gets to be turbo man during their playtime and rita wilson is baking cookies and who comes in but phil hartman he just actually he lets himself into the house and he proceeds to compliment rita wilson on her baking and then he just tells her to go upstairs and that he'll 
watch the boys. And this is a move that he picked up interning, uh, I'm assuming at the Weinstein Company. Nice topical. I read the papers. It gets worse because he rolls in, he, he's taken over the cookie operation. He sends Rita Wilson to a fucking bath, which I don't know any situation where someone could come into my, you could come into my house and be like, Bo, you should take a bath. And be like, the fuck are you talking about? Unless you just recently got sprayed by a skunk. And even then it's like, you need to go take a bath in tomato soup. Like that's the only way I'm telling you to take a bath. Even if you smelled like shit, I would just be like, Hey man, you stink. Take a hint. No. And if I were baking delicious Christmas cookies and you were like insistent about like, go take a bath. I'll take care of these cookies. I'd be like, fuck you. What are you doing to the cookies? I need to observe you at all times based on your behavior. He takes off her apron by wrapping his arms around her waist. And we get this shot of her discomfort. And then we get a cross shot of his eyes like rolling back in his head like a shark. And he's really getting off on touching her, which again, as an audience member, it makes you like Phil Hartman less, which I like Phil Hartman across the board. So watching this is very counterintuitive for me. But Rita Wilson, maybe because she's frightened, she goes upstairs. In this case, I don't think it's to take a shower or a bath. It's probably to weep into a pillow. Phil Hartman burns his hand on the cookies because he's taken over baking duty. And it's this point where he freaks out on the kids and he goes, pipe down in there! Channeling this like inner Captain Carl of his. (laughs) It was very funny. An adult yelling at children is always a little bit funny to me. Phil Hartman yelling at children is funny. It's the same way you would yell at like a bar full of of karaoke singers or something. Pipe down! I like the way that you say karaoke. I'm cosmopolitan, Chad. (laughs) It's a very George Takei way of saying it. Karaoke. Because I say karaoke. Because the only place that I've ever seen that done was at a Chi-Chi's Mexican bar where I watched an 11-year-old boy on a dare from his stepfather get up and sing, I want to sex you up. I pronounce it like that because I know just enough Japanese to be the kind of asshole (laughs) that would pronounce it like that. (laughs) That's one of the things I love about you. Like I went to Spain and came back and pronounced it Barcelona. Arnold calls his own house and Phil Hartman answers the phone and we get a lot of sexual double entendres here as Phil Hartman is like moaning in ecstasy over eating Rita Wilson's cookies like oh my god all these cookies are so good. Oh, let me uh, crack this Enigma code for you, Chad. Uh, (laughs) Cookies in this scene is code for pussy. You stay away from my wife's cookies. Mm, Her cookies are so good. Arnold. Now it makes sense. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Shit. He was talking about Rita Wilson's vagina, <laughs> which is the best punk band you've never heard of. Arnold gets all worked up and he tells Phil Hartman to pass along a message to his wife that he's going to be late getting home. And then he hangs up and then he walks past this bank of payphones. And here uh, Sinbad shows up because we need to get him back into this movie. Sinbad suggests that he and Arnold team up and Sinbad gives him examples. He's like, hey, we could be like Starsky and Hutch or Johnny Quest and Haji or Ike and Tina. Well, not like Ike and Tina because Tina left. Sinbad is clearly on Team Ike in this conversation. Right, like... Because Tina left is not the way to describe (laughs) that situation. (laughs) Tina Turner was brutalized by a man for years. (laughs) Tina left. How dare she? 
<laughs> yeah. Arnold says thanks, but no thanks. And Sinbad immediately says that Arnold is racist. And I don't doubt this to be true of his character in this movie, but we don't have any clear evidence to back it up, at least at this point. Mm-hmm. Some random guy runs by and says, hey, there's a bunch of Turbo Mans over at store. And then Arnold and Sinbad rush to go get one of these dolls. And in his haste, Arnold backs up his SUV and he hits a police motorcycle that belongs to Officer Robert Conrad. Who's the guy who gave him the speeding ticket not less than 18 hours ago? And of course, we don't see any of the consequences of this encounter. It just sort of happens. And and he's just a free-floating cop in this movie. Like, he shows up in places and doing jobs where you're like... Did you get assigned to this? (laughs) You are a motorcycle cop doing a patrol there, like on the highway, and then you're on parade duty the next day. You were on the bomb squad for 10 years, and now you're pounding the pavement? What the fuck is going on with Robert Conrad's character? <laughs> That's the more interesting mystery of this film. The J.J. Uh, the Abrams mystery box is Robert Conrad. <laughs> we cut to the Mall of America. And let me get a time check. We were around noon earlier. And then Arnold uh-huh. smashed into that police bike. So let's be conservative. It's now, what, one o'clock? Was he able to get all that wrapped up within an hour? Yeah, let's say he, he got a ticket. He drove to the Mall of America. He found a parking spot now he's inside at the fountain one o'clock we're good with that it's conservative but sure arnold is coming down this crowded escalator and he is just impatiently walking past people as he goes down it's it's a total dick move to save what four five seconds arnold makes his way to this toy store and they're handing out these rubber balls for a lottery to get a turbo man doll and in the melee the workers just end up throwing all these rubber balls into the air and people scramble to grab one of these balls But if you get one of the balls, it doesn't mean you win a Turbo Man doll. It means you won the chance to win a Turbo Man doll. And Arnold grabs one of the balls. And at this point, Sinbad pepper sprays him in his eyes. Look, dude, Uh, look, when I was a kid, I was like four. And my brother pepper sprayed me with a can of mace that my mom had in her car. You don't come back from that. You are done for the day. Okay? Especially if you're a child. Sinbad grabs Arnold's ball and then Arnold sicks the mob on Sinbad by saying that Sinbad has uh, two balls and the crowd jumps on Sinbad and he drops the balls while screaming out, Rodney King! Rodney King! Yeah, a lot of a lot of bad decisions are made in this movie, Chad. And, and that's one of them. If this ball bounces all over the mall and Arnold chases it, this scene would make sense if the yellow ball meant that you won a Turbo Man. But it's not. It's just a chance to win. So the stakes really aren't that high. Also, to pull off some of these moves, it would be need to be made of flubber. <laughs> just an observation. <laughs> or gravity somehow reduced yeah. itself. By- <laughs> I felt like I was <laughs> describing a UFO watching this thing move around of like, It hit a wall, and then it veered up, going at Mach 2 at least, and then made a sudden right turn. The ball ends up in the mouth of some little girl who's sitting in a child's plastic ball pit, and Arnold grabs this little girl in an effort to retrieve 
said yellow ball. And then he just gets beaten up by a bunch of moms who realize that this guy in all likelihood is a pedophile. And then these moms, they're <laughs> smacking him with their purses, which is a thing I truly believe has never happened in the real world, only in movies and maybe TV shows. As Arnold leaves the children's play area, he screams out, I'm not the pervert. I was looking for a Turbo Man doll. And nothing says I am a pervert, like screaming out, I'm not a pervert, as you are being beaten out by an angry group of moms with their purses from a children's play area in a mall. Yeah, it's a bad move on his part. Uh, the bad decisions are just the filmmakers, Chad. It's only worse if you scream out, I wasn't trying to fuck one of your children! <laughs> But before that, before, like, what got him all riled up in the first place is him yelling, I just need the ball. And anytime, a, again, a muscle-bound Austrian freak <laughs> screams, I need to ball into a ball pit where a young girl is standing beside him, a mob is going to form. And form it does. And uh, But I, I love it. I, I love mobs. I like mob rule. I think they're right. Um, like if you are attacked by a mob, the best you can do is go limp like it's a bear. And that's what he should have done. Like when they're like, instead of saying, no, I just, I tried to get a doll. Instead of that, he should have just been like, you're right. You're right. I know you're right. I'll tell you what, let's step outside. I'll try to explain my point of view, but you guys are right. Let's you take me wherever you think I need to go. I want to get my balls out of this little girl's mouth. I'm a big man. She had it in the hand and then in the mouth. You know, it's going to make this even worse the next scene because Arnold is called over by an elf. Oh Christ, here it comes. I'm just going to go watch Call Me Lucky and call it a night. I'm going to go get some of those Christmas ties and hang myself like the Grinch. Arnold gets called over by this elf working uh, at the Santa meet and greet in the mall. And here we get something that this movie sorely doesn't need. (laughs) Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi makes everything worse. He is the cinematic equivalent of a fart. Sure, occasionally it's funny, but the lingering stink that accompanies it, how it was made, and why it's there to begin with is a true abomination. No argument here. Santa Belushi tells him that, hey buddy, I can get you a Turbo Man doll. And then Arnold and Santa Belushi, um, they go with this elf off to some industrial park that is heavily guarded, and Santa Belushi gets him into this warehouse where they are making what appears to be all of these stuffed animals that you win at a less than reputable county fair. Everyone in this place is wearing a Santa suit or a Mrs. Claus outfit. It kind of looks like New Jack's city where all the people that were packing the drugs sat around naked but in this case nudity is replaced with insincere holiday cheer this ain't business this is christmas bitch Santa Belushi brings Arnold a wrapped Turbo Man doll and he wants 300 bucks for it. Arnold begrudgingly hands over the money and then they give him the doll. But then Arnold immediately opens the doll and it turns out that the doll speaks Spanish. And upon closer inspection, it falls apart. And I got to be honest, I think Arnold was kind of a little more pissed off that it spoke Spanish than the fact that it fell apart. Chad, let me let me give you a little black market etiquette here. When a Santa is like, hey man, you want the real shit? And you then drop drive him in your car to this industrial park your job in that scenario is get your fucking doll and you get out of there you don't ask a lot of questions like all through the scene he's like so this looks really on the up and up and you're like of course it's not you're on the fucking black market arnold act like you've been there 
Well, what does Arnold do? He proceeds to beat up Santa Belushi and then a ninja Santa shows up with candy cane nunchucks and then Arnold beats him up and then some other nearby Santas jump in on the action and then a shirtless huge Santa played by WWE professional wrestler The Big Show. He stomps into frame and then he says, I'm going to deck your halls, bub. And then he punches Arnold so hard that Arnold flies backwards off of his feet onto some boxes. And that's when Vern Troyer shows up. He's dressed as a tiny little Santa. He grabs Arnold by the head. And then the big show Santa punches Vern Troyer Santa so hard that he flies across the room defying all gravity. Yeah. And yells, oh no, little buddy. I don't want to know their backstory. It's the one point in the movie where it's like, aw, that was his friend. (laughs) Naldo. Naldo, the elf who had been working with Santa Belushi earlier, he pulls out a taser and then this jams it onto Arnold's taint, bringing Arnold to the ground. Have you ever been tasered? No, never had the pleasure. Why have you? Closest I ever got was uh, my dad had this horrible dachshund that had a dog shot collar on it. And I got zapped a couple of times accidentally by that. You might have been around for some of those moments. I remember that as an experiment more than an accident. (laughs) Put this on your taint. Not not the taint in particular, more the, hey, touch that. See if it hurts. (laughs) You know, science. (laughs) A bunch of Santas jump on top of Arnold and then Santa Belushi screams out, food fight. Nope, 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 Chad. Nope, he, not, not food fight. You might've misheard that. Are you sure? I could have, I, yeah, I know. Like when you hear Belushi yells out in the middle of the scene, I know where you're naturally led to. In this case, it's Jim Belushi yelling, dog pile which is key party code for uh we've got a newbie (laughs) has a career existed with as much success based on the death of a more talented sibling how talented do you call jaja gabor (laughs) i was thinking you know joaquin phoenix is at least talented obviously i'm 75 years old chad so i immediately (laughs) went to jaja and ava gabor (laughs) (laughs) the cops raid the building and then arnold grabs a toy police badge and pretends to be an undercover police officer what about his character would give him the fortitude or cleverness to do this one of the problems i have with this movie is that nothing about this character ever helps him nothing about his business skills ever helps him out of a, a scrape and that's really frustrating in this scene in particular when he just suddenly becomes like no trust me i'm a local police officer definitely not foreign michael keaton would have played this scene beautifully where he's like hey he would have had the the grifter charm to be like oh i'm an undercover cop and you would buy it as opposed to i'm an undercover police officer i drove them before me and heard the lamentations of their women Instead of having him selling mattresses on the phone earlier, set that scene three hours prior in the day, have him talk to a client and have a gift of bullshitting people. You are a consummate liar. And in some situations, it serves to your advantage. In other times, it causes you to be on the road to divorce and having a child that will hate you forever. But in this case, he could have come up with this bullshit lie. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. That's how he got himself out of this scrape. Yes. Instead, we get, I'm officer. I do like the coded language here. Like when the cops bust in of somebody yelling, it's the Grinch. Like among the 
Santa Black Market instead of like 5-0, they used the Grinch for the cops. I think that's all right. Did you laugh when, I can't believe I'm going to say this, Jim Belushi knocked on the door and they asked for the passcode and he said, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. Yeah, because Batman Smells is funny. First off, you know what? If Jim Belushi's listening to this, it's not funny because you said it. It's funny because the words that are funny. I don't know why we're picking a fight with Jim Belushi, but I'm I'm in. I got your back. It's pick six for life. <laughs> Quick time check. What do you think it is in our movie? Two o'clock? Oh, it's got to be later than that. I mean, because he had to drive out the, to this industrial park. Conservative. He's at the mall. Could he have gone from the ball toss to the ball pit to the industrial park? Could that have all happened in an hour? Super conservative. Let's say it's 2.30. I just can't go 2 p.m. here. I'm good with that. So Arnold's driving his SUV across a bridge and it runs out of gas, which look, if you run out of gas, you are a dummy. You are. That is your own goddamn fault. There is 100% no doubt about it. There are lights, there are bells, there are whistles. There's just common goddamn sense involved in this. This isn't the first time the gaslight ding has happened. It's just, no, I got to keep going. I got to get the turbo man, not gas up my car that takes me from place to place. So he pushes his SUV across this bridge slowly and he ends up in front of an old school diner. I hate to do another time check. What are we now? 3.30? It's an hour. Your car runs out of gas and you yes. got to push You got to push a, a car a mile. That's going to take you 30 minutes, 40 minutes if you're on a downhill slope? No, 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 no. If it's on a downhill slope, it's a mile a mile's not that far it's gonna take the average person at least what 15 20 minutes to walk a mile at a brisk pace and you're pushing a car 15 minutes you're pushing a car if you catch the right hill you're going downhill you could be going 20 miles you could you could be cruising into that place uh, although he's not in the shot so maybe i'm undermining my own argument <laughs> but you could be cruising into that place with your foot on the brake even all right let's let's call it an hour we're at 3 30 right on christmas eve fair enough all right. Yes, given everything that's happened before, 3.30 is still conservative. Cut back to the neighborhood. Phil Hartman is handing out hot chocolate to his neighbors while his fat kid uh, is petting this aggressive reindeer. And Jake Lloyd tells his fat friend that, I wish my dad was more like your dad. And then the fat kid says that his dad became awesome when his parents got divorced. And the fat kid says maybe that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Rita Wilson should get divorced. So from your mouth to God's ears, fat kid. Um, Looking back on movies from the... Like mid 80s into the 90s and the early aughts, a lot of divorced parents as part of the the DNA of those movies. Like whether it's Kramer versus Kramer or E.T., Jingle All the Way. <laughs> yeah, the three the classic divorce films. <laughs> but just a lot of divorce. I knew a guy whose parents got divorced and it messed the, him up bad. And and just casual was like, hey, did you ever see Mrs. Doubtfire? Who's like, fuck you, no, I've I got divorced parents and I'm not going to watch that. And I'm like, whoa. No. Divorce sucks, dude. But as someone who has seen it a couple of times, uh, not on my own, like when your parents get divorced, it's like, the fuck is happening? I, I know four things and you guys are one of them. And now that thing is a lie. I like these days how people don't even get married. They just have a kid and then, yeah, they're not around anymore. Like, are you getting divorced? No, we're not. Well, see, uh, winter um the, that's terrible i can't i can't use that name because a friend of mine has, has a child named winter summer <laughs> the reason your mom and i aren't living together anymore is that we just don't have the same vibe we used to i mean i know i'm your biological father 
You're not getting divorced, right? No, no. I'm just never going to be here again. Your mom and I are more pals than man and wife, and you're just a happy little accident, kid. Best of luck. Jake Lloyd runs over to his house after his fat friend talks about how his folks are getting divorced, and then Arnold calls. Jake Lloyd is really excited to hear from his dad because, you know, he hasn't seen him since 8 a.m. on Christmas <laughs> Eve. It is now, by our measure, 3.30 in the afternoon on Christmas Eve. And Jake Lloyd's like, hey, dad, how how's it going? When are you coming home? And then his dad had promised to, to be back to go to this winter stitchel fun time parade. And it's at this point that Arnold snaps at his kid. And then the kid feels terrible because Arnold is a terrible father. Jake Lloyd at this point screams at his father and just explicitly tells him, you're a bad dad who doesn't keep his promises. And then he hangs up on uh-huh. his dad. And then Rita Wilson walks in to see her only son telling his dad on Christmas Eve that he's a bad father. And then she's like, damn it, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everything about this screams these two not are going to get divorced they should get divorced this is a bad bad marriage (laughs) like they're not friends anymore they're not partners they're not in it for each other also i wish i had the class and the board thinking to like when i hang up on someone that has disappointed me to say like damn you chad (laughs) it's so dramatic and i love it and i just i i want to do it more unfortunately i don't talk on the phone (laughs) with people i hate much (laughs) you've always always dreamed of living in a soap opera i know that about you <laughs> particularly passions arnold turns around and he walks through the diner and guess who's there what sinbad because we need to get him back in this movie sinbad sits next to arnold at the counter and he whips out a bottle of hooch and i'm guessing that it's whiskey because it's called old homestead and then sinbad pours some in his cup and then he pours some in arnold's coffee cup arnold tells a story about how once he made a clubhouse for his kid jake lloyd back when he gave a shit about being a good father this is supposed to be a touching moment moment it's not sinbad then tells a story about how his dad didn't get him the toy he wanted as a kid this johnny seven oma it's a one-man army gun it was seven guns in one so this guy's into guns conspiracy theories wife beating day drinking he's a catch yeah the fact that you have a choker and a drinker <laughs> in one handy package is uh is a treat for any lady sinbad says he never got his toy gun but his neighbor did and now that neighbor is a successful ceo and sinbad is a loser with no future stop right there sinbad is a mailman he is not a loser he has a legitimate job one that you can be proud of doing assuming that you're not drunk and strangling women throughout the day arnold kind of agrees that sinbad is a loser and then he looks over at sinbad and he imagines his son jake lloyd sitting next to him in the diner dressed as a mailman and this child is drinking old homestead from a brown liquor bottle. Yeah, now we're talking movie. See, it's okay for kids to drink booze as long as their parents are around to supervise. How happy would you be if you were just out in the wild and you saw some random shithead wearing a t-shirt that was just a poorly cropped square image of Jake Lloyd wearing the mailman uniform <laughs> slugging down this brown liquor? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd have to ask him about it. Jake Lloyd drunk in that movie is pretty good, right? This is a family holiday film. And at this point, we are watching a six-year-old boy guzzle whiskey. At this point, Arnold's ears perk up because on the radio, someone says that the first caller to name all of Santa's reindeer will win a Turbo Man doll. So Arnold and Sinbad fight over the payphone in the diner until they break it. And then the man working the counter at the diner says that the radio station is two blocks down the road. So Sinbad and Arnold run down the street to get to the radio station to win the doll. Which is, to me, the most unbelievable thing about this movie. Yeah, if this doll is so popular, a caller would have made it through in, like, what, one second to win this (laughs) doll. When When the guy at the diner is like, hey... It's only two blocks away. You could run there. It's like, no, Jack, people have phones. Like someone's going to have beaten us to the punch because of modernity. They run to the station and apparently everyone who listened to this radio station is just stoned to the bejesus and they can't get the question right. right. The person who calls in is like Tito Germain. Nope, let me stop you there. Next caller. Star Trek 1, <laughs> Star Trek 2. Nope. 1, 2, 3. Nope, nope, let me stop you there. Next caller. I beat my wife. I- oh, nope, definitely not. I'm gonna... Sent you over to our producer. I want you to give her your address. And she's... Kathy is gonna call the police. Right, Kathy? Next caller. Uh, yes. I'm infatuated with my next door neighbor, Pat. I don't know if Pat's a man or a woman. I'm not what sure what to make of her. And <laughs> I'm thinking that I'm starting to dress like Pat. Go on. <laughs> That's a nice callback. Well done. Thank you. This is the point where Sinbad, when the, like, Martin Mull is like, what are you, what the fuck are you guys doing in here? Is like, look at this package. I got a bomb. And you're like, whoa, 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 jingle all the way. I didn't realize we were going to have hostage scenarios on the menu tonight. Sinbad tosses the package across the room and everyone holds their breath because it's an explosive, but instead it turns out to be a music box and Sinbad was bluffing. He's a terrible mailman. In classic Arnold style, he deals with the situation with violence. Arnold gets ready to hit Sinbad in the face, and then Sinbad says, I got sickle cell! The absurdity of this made me laugh in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Is it racist? Probably, but I don't know. It's 1996, it's Sinbad. Look, I'm going to let him say what the man wants to say, and I'll follow along. Ah, uh, beep, beep. Ah, uh, uh, toot, toot. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, it, Martin Mull is like, don't, do this because you guys understand there's not a doll here, right? And they're like, huh? And he's like, yeah, it's a gift certificate for the doll, but it's not really here. And they're like, fuck this, we gotta get out of here then. Like, cheese it, it's the cops. And... (laughs) Because the cops are naturally closing in on this scenario because we've just had a bomb threat in a hostage situation. Who shows up but Officer Robert Conrad, working his fifth consecutive shift. I worked 10 years in the bomb squad. None of them consecutive. I've worked 10 years in the bomb squad over three years. I haven't slept once. (laughs) Right. I think I'm married. I just don't know anymore. I just, I just don't know. Sinbad pulls out another package from his mailbag and he claims this one's a bomb and he tells the cops to drop their guns and they all do. What what kind of training have these officers had? There would have been a a quick little 
And a bullet hole would have appeared in a window and through his jugular would have gone a bullet from the sniper across the way. An end of bomb threat. It's almost like all of the police officers in this were that one guy in the opening of The Naked Gun when <laughs> O.J. Simpson says, drop your weapons, and the one guy drops it. When Simbad's like, y'all drop your weapons, and all 15 of them are like, well, I guess we better do what he says. Clonk, clonk, clonk. Let me give you a further edit to our fan fiction version of Jingle All the Way. You have Michael Keaton play the Arnold Schwarzenegger role. And I, of I, course, I love Sinbad as a human being, and it pains me to say it, but his character is poison to this movie. I don't know that Sinbad. You know what? Yeah, he's poison to this movie. You don't, like, all this stuff of, like, he's this crazy postal man who then later pulls a bomb, and then that's a fake, and then he pulls another one, and then Robert Conrad shows up, and spoilers, it's a real bomb because a cartoon explodes, and it just makes Robert Conrad's face all black, and his hair all poofed out like the wily e. Coyote had been looking down a stick of dynamite when it went off or something. <laughs> you know what this should have been? It should have been my Michael Keaton and in his search for the Turbo Man doll with Robert Conrad as the cop sort of in pursuit. And he's on this journey of, I want to find this doll and bring it back to my kid because I've screwed up a lot. And I feel like this, not the doll, but the act of finding the doll shows that I love my son. I'm going through all of this. And you could have had multiple phone calls throughout the day of, hey, buddy, I'm here. Dad, are you doing okay? What's going on? It shouldn't have ended with, stop talking about this goddamn Turbo Man. Fuck you, Dad. I'm Jake Lloyd. I'm going to be Anakin Skywalker. You're a piece of shit. You're a bigger piece of shit. Click, click. Nobody cares what Muddachlorians are. Nobody cares about (laughs) Predator. You shut your mouth. Get me to the chopper. I was in a pod race. I was in a nanny and I made the baby. I peaked at eight. I've got huge nipples. I was in all of the Terminators, (laughs) including the ones they haven't even made yet. (laughs) So we touched on this, but Officer Robert Conrad picks up this bomb that Sinbad leaves and it blows up and leaving him comically blackfaced. You know, this is maybe one instance where blackface is appropriate because it has nothing to do with race. It's just comically blackfaced, generally a landmine of a phrase, but here it's actually true. Arnold goes back to the diner with a can of gasoline and he finds his SUV has been totally stripped. So he calls a tow truck to come get his car and bring him home. Time check. What are we? 4.30, 5 o'clock? Oh, it's got to be 5 o'clock. I'm going on the far end of this one because... Okay. It's, I mean, look at everything that, that's gone down. We've gotten the bomb threat. He's running from the cops. And by the time we catch up with him... He called a tow truck and had to wait for it. Right. And apparently the APB hadn't hit the tow trucks yet. Of like, hey, just an FYI, if you run across a guy who sounds really Austrian and also looks like he bench presses like a public park, then we're kind of interested in talking to that dude. Also, he ran into a police motorcycle earlier in the day. Last night, he got pulled over for DWA driving while asshole on his way to a karate tournament. Here's his license plate. Last seen with a guy with a live bomb. So Arnold gets out of the tow truck and he sees Phil Hartman inside Arnold's house, placing a Christmas star on top of 
Arnold's family tree and he's somewhat enraged and inside the house we see Rita Wilson calling out Phil Hartman for doing this because Phil Hartman is a real creep with no sense of social barriers but again he's playing a game Chad this is all part of the plan man we got a we got a goal in mind and this is just step 12 on the way to step 30 Arnold heads over to Phil Hartman's house to steal Phil Hartman's fat kids turbo man doll right and I like how he's able to find the turbo man doll under the tree because of its unique shape and the fact that it is wrapped in turbo man paper with a turbo man bow and then when you shake the box you hear turbo man talking inside (laughs) yeah strangely Derek, the kid next door no idea what's in the box what is this dad eat your vegetables buddy I have no idea what's inside this box, Dad. Like, he shakes it, and it's like, I'm Turbo Man, here to save the day. Who said that? Is Turbo Man somewhere in my house? Arnold steals the toy, but as he's walking out, he grows a conscience. Right. And he decides to return the gift. For no reason in the movie, he's just like, wait a second. Of all the terrible things I've done, this... (laughs) This is the step too far. How did he not run into a hooker in this movie? (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure one of the lady clauses was turning tricks in the back, like jerking off the big show Uh while while Vern Troyer's over there jerking himself off. Yeah, I'm sure that that's happening. Five dollars per cock, not for the experience, okay? The little fella can watch. I know he's your little buddy and he got punched in the face earlier, so Merry Christmas, alright? If the big guy wants to pay seven fifty, and the little guy two fifty, who am I to argue, but it's $10 for the whole thing, boys. <laughs> there should have been a prostitute with a heart of gold with all of the other deviant behavior in this that's clearly missing on the bingo card of holiday misfit bullshit that should be in this movie or we call it a bad santaism i like to call it the full belushi yeah if the, the full belushi does include an escort arnold decides to return the gift and but he's in the backyard when this happens and who should be hanging out there but mcgruff the angry reindeer that's gonna destroy him and everything that arnold represents this reindeer chases arnold through the house and then arnold locks the reindeer in a room inside the house and in doing so Arnold knocks over some Christmas decorations in the house and proceeds to set the house on fire. The smoke alarm goes off. Arnold kicks a now burning rug and the head of a plastic wise man that's gone into the fireplace. Uh, Balthazar, was it? Yeah, it, it smashes through a window and goes out into the front yard. And Phil Hartman and Rita have made their... I almost said Rita Rudner. Rita Wilson. (laughs) Phil Hartman and Rita Wilson have made their way out to listen to some Christmas carolers. And they are on the business end of all of this mayhem. And Arnold essentially gets busted by his neighbor and his wife. Holding still said stolen Turbo Man doll in hand. And he looks at his wife. And because every word out of his mouth is a lie. He says, it's not what you think it is. Which it totally is what she thinks it is. She thinks it's him stealing this doll. Which is what it is. Yes. (laughs) No, no, it was what the is but it's not that anymore i've had the conscience change and now i don't want to steal toys from children rita wilson calls him a liar and then she says she wants to go to the christmas parade with my son that is code for we're getting a divorce Yes. And as far as I'm concerned, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger's out in this movie. (laughs) At this point, he can walk away. Like, he is not fit to be a parent. 
He clearly has no interest in being a real parent. This is the door. Ted is ready to walk in, or I guess climb in the window. God opens the door. <laughs> if Balthazar's head smashes open a window. Then a divorce door <laughs> opens because of Jesus is the same chad as you well know like he could have gotten away at this point and instead he decides that it's time for vengeance i guess rita wilson and phil hartman leave to go to the christmas parade and then the reindeer explodes out of this set of closed pocket doors from this side room and then arnold proceeds to punch the reindeer in the face and then claims you started it he takes responsibility for nothing and also there's only one movie in the history of cinema that's ever made punching an animal in the face funny and that is blazing saddles every other movie that does this shame on you well you can read more about those movies chad in my latest book (laughs) kicking the shit out of christmas (laughs) movies where santa takes it in the nuts reindeer punching out is only a small (laughs) chapter in the larger work but i think you see where its head's at we come back to the car and jake lloyd is there and he asks his mom is dad gonna be at the parade she says don't count on it so we're finally getting a little truth in this family yeah probably not kid i wouldn't (laughs) expect to see much dad from now on one of the truisms i've found in my life is this (laughs) if the answer isn't yes it's probably no (laughs) yes you're you're correct that's a good business tip for listeners too if someone is like hey can i have a race Mm, probably let me look at the numbers you're not getting that raise do you want chinese food for dinner Mm. where did you want to get it from you know how about italian (laughs) yeah right initial resistance is resistance we cut to arnold and he is sitting in that clubhouse he talked about earlier the one that he built for his kid when he was a dad who gave a shit he's getting drunk with the reindeer that he just assaulted (laughs) yes my favorite thing about this movie (laughs) arnold just like fuck it How about me and the animal? We just have a couple of brews. He and the reindeer are just guzzling beer out in the snow. Chewing the fat. Yeah. Little tete-a-tete. Arnold looks inside this clubhouse and he sees a bunch of pictures that adults have drawn to look like pictures that children have drawn of his family. And then Arnold starts crying and he's a real sad drunk. Yes. Like Arnold is a closet drunk through this entire film as far as I'm concerned. And this is just the first time where he's just like, yeah, I spent so much time at work, Reindeer, because my family doesn't value my input. And now I gotta gotta tell you, Reindeer, ever since seeing that picture in the window 30 seconds ago, I've I've really fallen in love with my family. A little around the balls, dear. <laughs> you don't mind. Uh, I don't. Did your Arnold just become Doubtfire? <laughs> oh, dearie. Right in the crutch. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I lost it for a second there, didn't I? As soon as I went south of the border, Arnold did too. Uh, <laughs> so, so sad, drunk Arnold. <laughs> He decides to, he says, I'm going to start keeping my promises. I mean, he's, he's, he's He's just drunkenly (laughs) making promises. Like he, this time I'll grant you, he means to keep this one. He's drunk and he's just going to go down to the Christmas parade and set things right. 
This sounds like about 12 dads I knew growing up. (laughs) He's getting drunk with a reindeer (laughs) as his moral sounding board to figure shit out. (laughs) On Christmas Eve at like 6 p.m. Yeah, saying... (laughs) Drunkenly declare hate. <laughs> I'm going. To- <laughs> I'll get it out in a second. <laughs> Drunkenly declaring, I'm going down to that parade. <laughs> Has never ended well in the history of declarations. So let's do a time check. It's what, 5.30, 6 o'clock? Is that what time it is? I don't know. A lot of that stuff around the house could have happened pretty fast. But then there's all the drinking. <laughs> that has a way of hitting the fast forward button on you without you realizing it. <laughs> you look up and it's like, when did the sun go down? Wait, no, it's it's coming up. Like, whoa. <laughs> oh, I tell you, you go into that. Almond Brothers back catalog. Those concerts really rock. Have you ever seen Government Mule live? Oh my god. I've got some DMB bootlegs. He does ants marching in German. It'll blow your mind. So to put a cap on my thesis of this film, uh-huh. I'm really gonna tighten this up and say it's 5:30. Yes, I yes, at least. There is no way on earth that this parade is happening right now. It is Christmas Eve at 5.30 and a full-blown Christmas parade is occurring in downtown, where are we, like St. Paul, Minneapolis? I, or- Sensitropolis, who fucking knows. Wherever the Mall of America is, I guess. <laughs> but it doesn't, there's no way that this is going to happen. Right, sun's going down. Not to have this animal house level of parade <laughs> where you got marching bands and floats. <laughs> and live TV coverage and all of this. It doesn't happen. Christmas parade or holiday is like a 10, 30, 11 a.m. kind of situation to begin with. An afternoon parade is stupid. Why on earth would you ever? You got to get them early so that the, everyone can go about their day and try to forget, like, why did we go to that parade? It was cold, and we saw a bunch of people walking by, and they look cold, too. Like, we all should have just stayed inside. We cut to the parade, and Rita Wilson and Phil Hartman are dropping off the kids at the pool. I'm sorry, are dropping off the kids at the parade. Oh, sir. And Phil Hartman uh, goes to park the car, among other things. Jake Lloyd and his, his fat friend, they just barge to the front of the crowd to watch the parade because, you know, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> Phil Hartman parks the car and offers Rita Wilson some non-alcoholic eggnog. It's important that he says non-alcoholic and not non-narcotic because this eggnog is 100% spiked with Cosby drops. And Phil Hartman essentially all but moves her hand onto his crotch to see what's doing downtown. Hey, look, I know I've sounded like a defender of... Phil Hartman's character in this episode. Uh, let me continue that by saying he has put in the legwork. He has put in the time. He has been there baking cookies, watching these stupid kids. Now he's going to put her hand on his dick and let's see what happens. 
Let's roll roll those dice. Well, what happens is Arnold comes up on the car and he sees Phil Hartman groping his wife. And it's, look, it's not full on Biff Tannen, OG, BTFF, but it's pretty damn close. Get your damn hands off my wife. How do you not? How do you not do that in this episode? <laughs> Arnold rushes to save his wife, but then he runs into Officer Robert Conrad, who spills scalding hot coffee all over himself. The officer pursues Arnold through the parking lot and in and out of cars and buses, and the officer crashes into a bus as though he's some sort of home alone burglar. We cut back to Phil Hartman's sex van, and Rita Wilson clocks him in the head with a thermos, and then she escapes with only a emotional scars from this encounter it's at this point that arnold ducks into a back alley escaping officer robert conrad and he goes into this door and he's grabbed by a team of people who proceed to strip him down and dress him up in a costume and he's all like why i I don't i don't understand what is uh, uh, uh." and then some stagehand is like you gotta understand the jetpack this and the the boomerang that and the he's like i don't i don't like great you're a good guy here we go i think in a better movie the ridiculousness of this situation could could have worked better and in fact really what would have made it work better is if you cared about the character and you wanted to see him succeed despite himself to see someone who has an inner strength of character exhibit that in a way that is more outwardly strong well like if you had your michael keaton who at first is like what the fuck are you doing with to me and then says like when they're like all right turbo man you're on and seeing that light come on in his eyes like Oh, I'm about to be Turbo Man. Now I see how I can save the day. This is the chance that I've been looking for. I don't even have to imagine this. As you say the words, the movie comes to life in front of me. Right, that little smirk on his face like, I'm Turbo Man. And then the platform comes up and fuck, I want to see this movie now. You know how you make the movie even better? Is that you make Michael Keaton's character a fanboy and that he loves Turbo Man. And the reason his kid loves Turbo Man is because his dad loves Turbo Man. And so the dad becoming Turbo Man not only fulfills his son's dreams of getting kind of the Turbo Man doll or the Turbo Man experience, but it it allows Michael Keaton's Turbo Man to become Turbo Man as well. And you fulfill it all around. So it's like, wow, this man is stepping into the, the shoes or cape of his own, you know, dream identity that fulfills sure. his son's love at the same time. Yeah, you have him talking to either his wife or a neighbor or something while the show is playing and saying like that's a superhero i can never do that right people can't really do that you know making making that distinction between himself and turbo man at the end of the movie there is no longer that distinction he has become the hero that he admired yes wonderful that's not what happens in our movie no no oh shit back to this movie so instead we get to see Curtis Strong, Booger from Revenge of the Nerds, dressed up as Booster, smoking on a wink wink cigarette. This dude's completely high. And then he makes some comment about he's sweating like a dog in a Chinese restaurant, which is the least racist thing that's come out of his mouth all day. I got to be honest, anytime Curtis Armstrong shows up in a movie, I'm I it all right, it, I'm engaged. I'm already this movie is already better than it was before he appeared. You know, the only way I'm ever going to see the inevitable short circuit remake if he's in it and he's the loudmouth asshole sidekick i I, yes all right sorry i thought i i thought i had something funny to add there and then the more i thought about it i was like no i don't so i apologize (laughs) just edit all that out 
<laughs> now that Curtis Armstrong has shown up as Booster, the unlikable sidekick, we haven't really touched on that too much, that the sidekick is named Booster, and everyone's like, fuck Booster, which I think is actually one of the better gags of the movie, because it's consistent, where everyone is just like, man, Booster is the fucking worst. Arnold comes up through the platform of this float, he is now on top of it, exposed to the crowd, and he starts waving, like Curtis Armstrong is like, wave, wave, and he starts waving, and now he's getting into it, because he's a little drunk, remember? Like, that hadn't worn off. So now he's on top of this float, and people are cheering, because it's all about him, and he's just waving it, you know, his ass off. Curtis Armstrong is like, hey, you gotta give away this doll, and it turns out that there's this super special, extra cool Turbo Man doll that's better than any of the others in the stores. And so, a different movie, a better movie, I would argue, would involve this character giving that doll to someone else other than his son. To, like, in our Michael Keaton remake, like, there's this kid who's out hunting with him that he sees a couple of times that's just like, gee, mister, I'm just looking for myself. Like, my dad will never buy me one of these. That kind of character. Right. And he gives it to that kid at this point instead of his own kid because he has become the hero and a hero chad is not going to bribe love from a child with a doll he is going to use the doll as an instrument to bring happiness to someone who has none not in this movie no 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 he doesn't do anything like that he just gives it to his own kid and the turbo man costume has a face that is fully visible there's nothing about this that conceals his identity and when our Arnold as Turbo Man calls out and he's like, Jake Lloyd, my son, it's me, your dad. I'm giving you this doll. His kid does not recognize his father by face, nor does he recognize the only Austrian accent within 100 miles well, of this town. In fairness, they like they give some bullshit about like, we put this modulator on so it'll change your voice a little bit. It's mostly Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it's like toned down half a percent. Son. This is your father. It sounds like he's talking through auto-tune. It's like, Jake Lloyd, it is me your father. Yeah! <laughs> For some unknown damn reason, Sinbad shows up. He gets up on a roof and bonks the bad guy on his head and steals his suit. None of that makes any damn sense. Sinbad somehow knows how to use a grappling hook and whips it down and repels down and lands on the Turbo Man parade float. And this is honestly when I think that Sinbad is best in this movie is when he's playing this villain character because it's like, yeah, he's playing the character because he, he kind of knows Turbo Man, but it's also like it, it's the moment where the fiction and re the reality meet. And I think he does that fairly well. Well, I think because he's not being told to just make up his own dialogue. <laughs> that, that certainly helps, yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't choke anyone in this scene or... Or drink booze. <laughs> or throw a bomb inside a radio station. Or threaten the police. Very little discussion of sickle cell on the parade float, which I thought was a good choice. Or Rodney King. <laughs> Rodney King, sure. <laughs> Arnold takes this doll and stuffs it into his own son's backpack because Jake Lloyd's made his way up onto the parade float. Sinbad punches Booster in the head, the pink cat with the giant dick. He punches him in the face and he falls off the float and then a bunch of rogue children just run into the street and start just beating the shit out of Booster on the ground, which... 
Okay. The costumes that Turbo Man and Dementor, the bad guy, that they're they're fully functioning superhero costumes, so go figure. And it's at this point that Sinbad gets kicked in the dick by Jake Lloyd, which, good for him. Jake Lloyd, that is, not Sinbad. Yeah, you can read more about people getting kicked in the balls, Chad. My latest book, Nuclear Mistletoe, <laughs> The End of Happiness and Joy in Christmas Movies. Uh, it's, it's just all about this movie you get kicked in the dick this hard there's no coming back you're not getting up at best you're throwing up in your mouth yeah and then you go home and you lay on the couch on your side and you try to find the comfortable position for the next two and a half hours which is never going to come you're going to turn you're going to slowly pivot and it's only going to always get worse and at the same time just a tiny bit better yeah yeah you know you're you're probably going to want some cooling pads i don't even know where we are anymore what's going on Sinbad chases Jake Lloyd to go get the Turbo Man doll, and Jake Lloyd climbs a ladder to the top of a building. Uh, Sinbad's in hot pursuit, dressed as Dementor, and the crowd thinks it's all part of the show. Arnold sees Sinbad chasing his son up to the rooftops, and uh, at the behest of the parade announcers, he fires up his jetpack and blasts off into the air. This is a great scene for kids, and and I mean that sincerely, because Arnold zooms up in the air, and he goes up, and then the jetpack runs out of fuel or whatever, and then he free falls to the ground and before he hits the cement below he blasts off and flies around the city and sort of you know becomes a turbo man in the flesh this would all be wonderful if his character wasn't a drunken piece of shit but he is and again there are hints of this should be better than it is but it's not also this movie displays that anyone wearing this suit is a for realsy superhero who can fly and shoot shit out of their fists like why isn't the military on this technology this is iron man level stuff for a second arnold schwarzenegger becomes iron man and everyone's just like this is quite a stunt we're seeing it's like no you are seeing the, the, a new age of gods and monsters. Arnold flies in to save his son, but he misses. And he crashes through the window of a family having Christmas Eve dinner. But look, their apartment is right over the parade route below. Why would they be eating dinner in the middle of the biggest Christmas parade of the year? Right. Just close the window, mother. I'm sure we'll shut out all of the noise. <laughs> Nothing to see down there, children. Let, let's speak in our normal quiet voices as we... Have Christmas dinner. What? <laughs> Angie, how's college? I can't. <laughs> I can't hear a thing because of those goddamn trombones. Angie, close the window. It's closed. Are you, check the window, Angie. <laughs> Rachel, check the window. Angie can't hear me. Arnold smashes out and he ends up crash landing on the sidewalk and then up above Jake Lloyd and Sinbad are dangling from this Christmas tree decoration that's hanging over the street below. Sinbad grabs the Turbo Man doll from Jake Lloyd's backpack and then Jake Lloyd tells his dad aka Turbo Man to use his Turbo Ring which is a boomerang and then Arnold throws the boomerang at Sinbad and he misses but it comes around and clocks Sinbad in the head and then uh, Sinbad falls to the ground crashing on the Turbo man parade float below and then all the cops surround him pull their weapons on sinbad in a circle and then sinbad smiles and how he doesn't say is there a problem officers is beyond me Uh, 
<laughs> it would have been a funnier bit. If you're going to do this scene, do it all the way. Just take the line. I also like the fact that earlier in this scene, as Sinbad is leading Jake Lloyd across the rooftops, he's like, kid, I, I don't like hide so much. Haven't you ever seen Vertigo? And it's like the Hitchcockian psychosexual thriller? Probably not this eight-year-old. Probably not much into stories of twinning your dead lover. <laughs> Jake Lloyd calls out to Turbo Man, uh, like, help me, help me. And then Jake Lloyd's fingers slip and he plummets to the ground. Arnold fires up the Turbo Man backpack once again, flies through the air and saves his son before he splats to his demise on Christmas Eve. Turbo Man lands and hands Jake Lloyd over Whoa, 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 whoa. To say he caught him and then he lands is to sell short the fact that Schwarzenegger as Turbo Man takes his kid through, like, for a ride through the city as, as Turbo Man. It is a poem away from the, like, can you read my mind moment from <laughs> Superman. <laughs> Which would have made the movie better in retrospect. It also begs the question, yet again, how long can he fly around in this thing? Like, this is a legit superhero outfit. And I am curious if Jingle All the Way 2 isn't just a backdoor superhero movie. We will never find out. No, we will never watch. No. <laughs> Turbo Man eventually lands and hands Jake Lloyd over to his mom, Rita Wilson. And how Rita Wilson does not recognize her own husband is mind-boggling it's the dumbest thing in this movie where he's clark kenton her with half a visor that's kind of opaque to begin with i was just like fuck you jingle all the way like she uh, sometimes there's movie logic but nowhere in this movie uh, i guess other than the bomb exploding have we seen something this cartoonish of like hey super strong guy with an accent that is remarkably like my husband and unlike anyone else i know it's it's so strange you're so similar to him and he's just like i know it's crazy right and then like he takes off his helmet and everyone's like shitting bricks that's like what it's actually arnold schwarzenegger the the squat little muscle-bound austrian guy well jake lloyd says how do you know who i am and arnold says because i'm your father oh Jake Lloyd's just blown away that his dad is Turbo Man. And then Rita Wilson is, she's initially surprised and then she's kind of turned on. She's like, mm, Turbo Man, I'm going to fuck you later. This is the point where Arnold Schwarzenegger shifts from the cuck column back to the alpha male of the relationship of like, <laughs> all right, I was going to fuck Ted and probably call you when I did it. But instead, now, you're back in the game. Phil Hartman comes walking up, and his head is covered in eggnog from where she smacked him in the face earlier. And then his fat kid says, Dad, you smell like barf. Maybe that's the Cosby drops? I don't know. Not wrong. N n eggnog's terrible. And then Hartman's like, we gotta get out of here. I don't know why he says that. Maybe because <laughs> he, he wants to get out of there because Rita Wilson told Arnold that Phil Hartman put Rita Wilson's hand on his dick. And or maybe she told a cop, Chad. Maybe she just told good old-fashioned police. Or maybe she told Robert Conrad. Maybe not, because he comes over and he stands behind Turbo Man and sings the praises of this superhero. Arnold turns around and says, I'm sorry about the traffic violations and the destruction of your property and burning you with coffee and exploding you with the bomb at the radio station. How is he not going to jail? The, him flying around with a jetpack does not excuse all of the crimes that he's committed over the last, not even 24 hours. It's like 18 to 19 hours. Yeah. 
Also, who told the FAA that you had a small object craft in the air at that time? I think there were some aviation laws being broken as well. I unfortunately have not yet written the book about aviation law, but it's on my my to do list. <laughs> it's a bird. It's a plane. It's the movies, aviation, and film, and how you can prevent yourself from going to jail by following these twelve simple rules. At this point, only Sinbad is going to jail here, <laughs> and then Jake Lloyd gives Sinbad the you know special Turbo Man doll, and Sinbad is so happy, and Rita Wilson is proud of her husband, and Jake Lloyd cheers out, "That's my dad," and he's full of pride for his father, and then Arnold gets put up on people's shoulders, and he's being carried around by a hero, and then fade out roll credits. Right, because it's important for the Christmas movie to focus on not the family, because kind of fuck them, right, Chad? Sure. Instead, let's focus on the main character being lifted on the shoulders of his inferiors and carried like an emperor, like a god among men, Chad. So, quick time check. It's now, what would you say, 7 p.m.? Yeah. On Christmas Eve? Uh Uh-huh. You know what? No, it's not. There are not this many people cheering and throwing around this strange man in a superhero costume at 7 p.m. on a Christmas Eve. This this does not make sense at all. Unless, like, a government experiment is being conducted where they've gassed the whole town. And these are all actors. (laughs) Right. Like, two days later, some of these people are going to wake up and be like, were we carrying a mattress salesman on our shoulder? (laughs) On Christmas Eve. Did that happen? We often try to make these movies better with a little real-time fan fiction. But I'd like to discuss what happened after this movie ends. Because... Arnold, what, goes home with his wife and his son, and then his son is immediately disappointed that he isn't the real Turbo Man. Because, first off, he's not allowed to take the suit home, right? No. Right. No, I had to give it back to them. I, I'm not really Turbo Man. You understand that, right? It's not. Wait, okay, so let's flash forward to the next morning. Jake Lloyd wakes up and he's disappointed because guess what? He didn't get a Turbo Man doll from Santa Claus like he asked for. But you gave yours to Sinbad. But I, but I, I wrote Santa Claus and I don't have any presents from Santa Claus. Oh, jeepers. Um, <laughs> this is uncomfortable. There are also multiple lawsuits from his neighbor, Phil Hartman, that are going to be filed because of all of the house burning and the breaking and entering. Impersonating police officer is on the list. The family that was having dinner when he crashed through their window, that is most certainly a lawsuit that he's, at the very least, he's going to have to testify. He may not be a defendant, but he's going to be involved. Yeah, that's reckless endangerment. On someone's part. Uh, There's 100% certainty that legal action is being taken related to the police officer coffee burns, the motorcycle destruction, the bomb at the radio station. That is all going to see its day in court. You know, I wonder at times if we just shouldn't have a segment on the show that is the felony count of the main <laughs> character from the film we watched. Because I, I'm hard-pressed to think of a film at this point where the main character has not been a multiple felon. None more so than cop drama Sharky's Machine. Let me add to this. Arnold does not have an automobile anymore. Because his was stripped down for scrap parts. Rita Wilson still doesn't love him. And Arnold has learned nothing of value to make him a better father. 
Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, it's a super shitty Christmas movie. Whatever the reverse of holiday cheer is, that's what I felt watching this movie. So that is 1996's Jingle All the Way. Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible movie. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. The character is awful. It is, like I said, woefully miscast, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you put any other actor that is not known for his muscle-bound bravado in this role, they're probably going to do a little bit better with it. And and Arnold Schwarzenegger can be funny, just not in this part. Like, he's not an everyman, except when the joke is that he's an everyman. Like in Twins. Right. The immediate acceptance of his stature is the joke. Right. And and there's none of that in this. The only time it's ever really mentioned is when Phil Hartman says you can't bench press your way out of this one or something. And it's like, yeah, our, again, this guy could do a million bench presses. That's not what's going on here. <laughs> like he's clearly like injecting dragon testosterone into his thigh <laughs> or something. It's a terrible, terrible movie and unworthy of love in regard. Yeah, don't ever see it. I agree with Media Matters. I agree with Roger E. This is just an awful, awful movie. And that's why we love it. So I'll never see it again, but I probably will. But maybe not. I will. I'll go watch it right now. Um, (laughs) Coming up on our next episode is a movie that is guaranteed to be better, but probably not. We are going to be doing some legal examination of The Santa Claus, starring in real life convicted felon, Tim Allen. Right. Turncoat. (laughs) snitch man assumedly with stitches because that is certainly what snitches get tim allen in the santa claus uh, a movie that i recently discovered has a lot of dark web theories about what happens to the mrs clauses after the the santa is dismissed good god man yeah it's unsettling i can't wait to hear about that come back and join us next week as we will be reviewing discussing exploring the santa claus starring tim allen and I think there's some Reinhold in there. There, uh, there might be some other people in it, I'm sure. I don't think this is a waiting for Godot situation, but it might be. We'll have to wait and see. I saw this movie 25 years ago once, and uh, I'll go back and revisit it again. So, Bo, as always, thank you for your delightful insights. Any final thoughts on Jingle All the Way? No, thanks very much, other than to, to say that this was really the last time Arnold Schwarzenegger ever did comedy in a film as a featured player, and I think that was the right choice. Yeah. Cut that shit out. (laughs) Knock it off.